I'm TL, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe, but our belief has implications on the way we live our life the rest of the week. We explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. I recall uh, a time not too, not too terribly long ago where I was uh, moving, moving from uh, Oklahoma out to the Pacific Northwest. And we had, uh, we had all of the kids piled in two vehicles uh, because <laughs> it takes two vehicles sometimes. And we pointed the nose of our car westward, a little bit north, a lot west. And there was joy and anticipation and excitement about this new adventure and this new journey uh, that we're just about a year into now. And I recall... Uh, this this hope and expectancy about what was going to be at the end of the journey. And yet, about three days into that journey, it became excruciating. Yes, the joy was set before us, and we knew what we were aiming for, but this drive took forever. You know, it was it was nice. We, uh, we made it through Colorado. We got to visit with family there. We got to see the mountains. It was lovely. Uh, and, and there was excitement, even as we pulled out of Colorado and continued on our way. But then, then we hit Wyoming. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, Wyoming was an interesting place for me. I grew up uh, in, in the Midwest. I grew up, uh, spent a lot of time in Oklahoma, a lot of time in Texas. I'm used to being out in the middle of nowhere. So I thought, so I thought. Uh, I'm used to having a little town every 20 miles and um, there's an exit, there's a, a, a Dairy Queen and a single hole gas station and that's about it. Um, and, you know, you, you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. But then I drove through the bottom portion, the bottom portion of Wyoming, right there along the border skirting that edge and you are completely isolated, completely alone. There's no cell phone signal. There is, if you were to pull over on the side, of, you would be there for years, right? No one is coming by to save you when you're in the bottom of Wyoming. Now, I know that there are some very beautiful, absolutely gorgeous parts of Wyoming. I did not drive through them. <laughs> what I drove through, this was the only place in the world I've ever been where when you get off of the interstate, right, you've got that major exit, you're like, all right, here comes an exit, and and you pull up to it, and at the bottom of the exit, instead of a road, is a dirt road, right? Coming off the freeway, there's a dirt road. That's the main thoroughfare right off the interstate. And, and it was really uh, a perfect example of Lent. <laughs> See, you didn't think I was going anywhere with this, but I am. Because we start Lent with this expectation. Yes, we're putting on repentance. We're going through and we're wearing our ashes on Ash Wednesday. And we are entering in to this journey. And we know it's going to be a long journey. And we know it's going to be uh, in a somber journey. Some ways a difficult journey. But there is hope at the other end, right? There is joy that's set before us. And we're journeying through Lent for the purpose, for the purpose of Easter, but we're about halfway through now. We're about halfway through, we're halfway there, and we're, 
when we're in Wyoming. It's, if you're from Wyoming, I know that you love it and you have a deep affection for that place. Um, but for me, uh, it was a type of purgatory, right? It's, a, it's an example to show you that there is something that you have to go through. And if you're from there and you love it and you have an attachment to the land and that's your connection and that's home for you, I don't mean to insult you at all. Uh, <clears throat> for me, it was halfway through the journey. And, and I had to get through it, and it was monotonous, and it was flat, and there were no trees anywhere. I know that there are some places in Wyoming where there are trees, but where I was driving through, there was nothing that looked like it was alive. It was all flat, and it was all rocky and high desert, and, and everything else, you know, the tum- you, you hear the stories, the, uh, the westerns of the tumbleweeds rolling along it's not a caricature. It's there. There's like herds. Uh, I'm sure that's what they're called. Herds of tumbleweeds roaming through the, the southern portion of Wyoming. And this is Lent for us. This is our experience where um, it can be difficult to keep up with our Lenten observance. And sometimes we think that our Lenten observance is never going to end, or we think that the, the Lent is just a sitting still But Lent, as we're going to talk about today, is a journey. There's a purpose for Lent. And it's not just so that we can sit and uh, and feel sorry for ourselves and and remember to pile on a little bit of extra Catholic guilt. No, there's a purpose for Lent that draws us closer to God, that purifies us a little bit more, and helps us to live the life of holiness that we are empowered to do because of the resurrection of Christ. So don't run out of gas. Don't stall out in the middle of your journey. Now is the time with renewed energy, with renewed faith, to recommit ourselves to this Lenten journey, to turn our attention toward the resurrection of Christ, to go through this this desert, which Lent is often likened to, for the purpose of entering more fully into that Paschal mystery, more fully into the, the glory and the joy of the resurrection of Jesus. So if you think about this desert, this journey that we're going through, uh, there is a certain leanness uh, to walking through the desert. We make sure that we have the essentials. We shed those things in our pack, as it were, that we don't need. We take the things that will refresh us and will nourish us, and we let go of the things that will weigh us down. And this, in large part, is what our Lenten observance is for. When we come back, we'll be joined by Katie Prejean McGrady. Uh, She and her husband have written a new book, Lent, One Day at a Time for Catholic Teens. But really, it's good for you, too. Uh, You're going to want to take a look at this. It's available right now on Ave Maria Press. It's going to be a fantastic conversation, so don't go anywhere. Come visit us on our Patreon page and see all of the extra content that we have available to our show supporters. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Support the Show link, and see what's there. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. There's so much more to come. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. 
I'm your host, TL. Today, we're continuing with our Lenten journey. We're in the middle of our Lenten observance. Uh, and I've got this fantastic little book in front of me that says it's for teens, but I disagree because it's really, really well done. I have actually benefited from it myself. And I, my uh, my preteen has really uh, also, this kind of speaks straight to them. Of course, the book is Lent, appropriately named, <clears throat> One Day at a Time for Catholic Teens, and I would say, and just for Catholics. Uh, the author is with us today, Katie Prejean McGrady. We've had you on the show before. I'm so looking forward to a conversation with you again surrounding this book. Thanks for being on the show today. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be back. Now, you wrote this book with your husband, and I've talked with uh, other authors who have endeavored to write a book with their spouse before, and <clears throat> one of them was fond of saying that this was their first and last book with their husband. What was the writing experience yeah. like for you? <laughs> That's a great way to put it. So writing this book together was it was challenging in the sense of we work very differently. So mm-hmm. I'm very much a, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to, I'm going to write for, I, I like to time myself. So I'm going to give myself an hour and however much I get through in that hour, however many days, cause it's written day by day versus my husband, who's a little more loosey goosey in his writing style. So he would be like, well, I'm going to write all the prayers for like a week. And then I'm going to go back and write all the reflections. So our brains didn't work the same way. We figured that out about two or three weeks into the process of writing this. And so we just created a Google doc and went to separate corners of the house and met up in the middle and would edit each other. Yeah. Um, and so that, I think, I think sometimes the collaborative process with writing is more difficult because that's a very, like, I'm not going to look over his shoulder and tell him to add a word at a time versus like, we have a podcast together, which we can very much, you know, we obviously record that live together. And then I just do all the editing by myself. So it was an interesting experience. We're working on the Easter version of this book right now. And we've, we've definitely learned from the Lent one. Let me just say that. Now, you mentioned the podcast. Let's let people know what that is. That's The Electric Waffle. And I find it yes. really interesting that you are the editor. So that way he can say whatever he wants, but you still can say, yeah. no, we're going to cut that part out. I still have I still have the control. It's a time thing. My husband's a teacher. Yeah. So like in the middle of the day when Rose is napping, even on the days that she doesn't nap and I still make her go lay down in her crib, I'm able to put my headphones on and just kind of kind of take care of it. So it's been on hiatus because we've been working on our Lenten podcast, mm-hmm. which goes along with the book, uh, but it comes back, comes back April the 9th. April the 9th. Be, uh, yeah. Point your podcast aggregator over <laughs> to the electric waffle. So let's talk a little bit about this book. Lent, mm-hmm. uh, it's published by Ave Maria Press, uh, as as are your other two books. Yes, yes. Uh, Room 24, Adventures of a New Evangelist, and Follow, Your Lifelong Adventure with Jesus, both also on Ave Maria. <clears throat> this is, uh, it's it's short. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you've got the days of Lent, you sit down, and it takes you, uh, if, if you're just sitting to read it, I mean, you could read through this <clears throat> easily in three minutes, but... Mm-hmm. You're, you're, this is more than reading. You are challenging the soul uh, to mm-hmm. reflect and to grow. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the first things we realized was, and Tommy and I were Catholic school teachers for a few years, and every year at Lent, and youth ministers, so every year at Lent, we were kind of stuck looking for something to hand our young people that they could take home with them, and they could use both on their own, but then it would also lead to fruitful conversation. So when we were mapping out how we wanted to make this book, we knew we wanted something reflective that they could read by themselves, kind of like a bell ringer in the classroom for teachers listening. But then we also wanted to have something that was kind of in their head throughout the course of the day. So that's really where the grow your soul challenges came from to where they could use a journal or they could just have it in the back of their mind. Or for the extroverted kid, it could be a really great conversation point. It's a good small group question. 
But then there's also a group of kids in the room or a group of young people who are looking through this book and they're one step ahead, right? They're already really on this faith journey. They've had that, that win moment with Christ. And so maybe they want to go a little deeper. So we also wanted to include kind of a, maybe on this particular day, you're feeling ambitious. You want to go further. So here's something else here. You can read the full passage or here's another extra challenge that you could do, or here's another scripture reflection that you could kind of give yourself. And then of course, ending every day with just a very simple prayer. And one of, I think, my the proudest ministry moments of my life, the Diocese of Leeds over in England reached out to me. They had bought copies of this for like 300 young people, and they had them shipped in from the United States, so it cost them a pretty penny. And every day they've been posting a graphic of the prayer and mass sending it out to their young people via Twitter and Instagram and, and through Facebook and texting. And, and that was really cool to me. Like our prayer that we wrote, you know, all these daily prayers, these young people are getting to see them in these cool graphic forms. So, so the book has had a really interesting life already um, in, in a really cool way. And I think it's because that format is so simple. Mm-hmm. We're talking today with Katie Prejean McGrady about the new book on Ave Maria Press, Lent, One Day at a Time for Catholic Teens. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this Grow Your Soul. Uh, yeah. you, you, you have this paragraph, a couple of sentences where you invite us uh, into a reflection. And, and so often we like to read and read for reading's sake, and I've accomplished this and I've read and I did my due diligence. And it, it feels like we don't have enough opportunities to be invited into maybe outside of our comfort zone to think mm-hmm. more deeply about our spiritual life. Yeah. Yeah. Lent for the longest time for me personally was a, it was a checklist liturgical season. So like, I'm going to give something up. Um, I'm going to do something. Uh, and I'm going to be generous in some other area of my life, right? There's and, and there's the prayer aspect, there's the fasting aspect, and there's the almsgiving aspect. And I think for young people, especially, and, and you know, I made the joke all the time as we were writing it. I was like, we're writing it for middle schoolers and high schoolers, but everybody's just basically an overgrown 12-year-old. Um, so if you're 25 and you're reading this book, you're having the exact same problems that a 12-year-old's having, just add alcohol and college debt and trying to find a spouse <laughs> and pay the mortgage on top of all of it. And, and so we wanted to make sure that the daily challenges were something that was bite-sized enough to where it's not super intimidating. They're not all the same. So you can't just put them in the categories of, oh, I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm giving alms. They're unique enough to where they kind of maybe blend and blur those lines. Um, but then they're also something that I think are easy enough to do to where you're not terrified of it, but challenging enough to where you feel like you've accomplished something. In the rule of St. Benedict, uh, St. Benedict talks about mm-hmm. the abbot's role and what he has to do to, to bring along the, uh, those who are under his care. And this is, of course, a paraphrase. Be, be mm-hmm. tender enough that you don't crush the weak ones, but challenging mm-hmm. enough that the, the ones who are advanced feel as though they've accomplished something. And, and this yeah. really falls into that category because it's so open. So, for instance, third Wednesday of Lent, if I might read just a little bit here. Yeah, I'm, I'm on that one, too. <laughs> it says, uh, spend five minutes in silent prayer, meditating on Christ's desire to heal you. Write a list of spiritual tears you've made so far this Lent and how those have been transformative in your life. So, uh, with whether you are 25 or whether you were 12, y- you can do that. You can, and it's going to look different depending on your relationship and with God and your maturity level and whatever the case may be. But whether you're 12 or 25, you can spend five minutes in silence. And probably knowing our culture and our history, it's going to be equally challenging to spend those five minutes in silence for the 12 year old and the 25. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would go so far as to say, 
it's going to be harder for somebody older to spend the five minutes because we are so busy versus many of the young people. I think that'll use this book. will be using it in classrooms and youth groups and, and hopefully they'll bring it home and they'll use it themselves, but they're going to be guided through the process. Um, and, and one of the dreams of the book was that moms and dads could pick up the book and, and have conversations with their young people about it as well. So we didn't want it to be age specific. We wanted those grow your souls to be um, just like you said, just like we, we were channeling Benedict without even realizing it, right? Yeah. Challenging enough yet simple enough so that Lent doesn't become overwhelming and you just give up halfway through. Yeah. Well, and, and this is a, it's a simple process. You know, if you've got teens or, or preteens, uh, this is the kind of thing that you could do over the breakfast table or in the car as you're mm-hmm. taking them uh, to school. You yeah, can kind absolutely. of pre-read this for the three minutes before and go over these grow your soul and feeling ambitious sections, uh, asking those questions and fostering uh, a communication that that really helps them connect. And this is something as, as a father that's very important to me, uh, to connect the faith to the experiential and to the relationship and not mm-hmm. merely the checklists. Yeah. Well, and Tommy and I, so we, we the book launches, Ave sells it hand over fist and before Lent began, my husband and I were driving to and from Houston for an event that I had. And Houston's only a couple hours away from my hometown. So Rose and Tommy were able to come with me. And we were talking about that exact thing, families using this in the car. And he said, and it was genius. He said, well, when I would drive in the car with my mom in the morning, I would have my headphones on and be listening to music for my CD player because we're old and we use CD players. But nowadays... <laughs> Right. Teens probably have their phones in their hand and they're scrolling. They're getting their last little hit of social media before they walk in the building. He said, what if we did an audio book of this? And I was like, well, it might be a little late to pull the audio book off. But the beautiful thing about podcasts is that anybody can do them from the comfort of their own home. Why don't we just create a little daily podcast where we kind of unpack one step further? So if you've got the book, then there's also this companion podcast where we don't read it word for word. But we just kind of talk a little bit about our own experience through the Lenten desert. And I got an email just the other day of a school teacher up in Indiana, and she's been playing it every morning for her students. And some of them have then shared it with their other friends who aren't in that particular section of the class. And, and I just thought that was really cool that it's, it's had a lot of life in just the three short weeks that we've been in Lent so far. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this because we tend to think um, in, in terms of educating our children in the faith, we tend to think academically. And of course, a lot of the mm-hmm. sociological research that's out there is saying that that method no longer works in terms of passing on the mm-hmm. faith. We've got a whole generation of people who are catechized but not evangelized. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what you've done with this is, is I think, in some ways also shown the, the parent who picks this up mm-hmm. that you don't have to do, uh, you don't have to have a whole lesson plan laid out in front of you. You don't have to mm-hmm. spend an hour lecturing your child about a relationship with Christ. All you need to do is be available and ask a few probing questions and let them do the work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's right there for you. Like, like write a list of the spiritual tears you've made so far this Lent. That's referring, of course, for anybody that think that's a weird question It's referring to the way we talk about in the reflection that day about how, when we build muscle, you're creating tears in the muscle. Right. And so like a simple question at the dinner table or on the way to school, or when you pick them up from school is just simply like, what was one of the things you wrote down? And that's not a yes or no question that a young person can just kind of like mumble an answer to. They actually have to speak in a complete sentence. Um, one of the, I, I, my, my daughter's 19 months old and we do not allow her to play on phones or iPads. Like we've used an iPad on the plane before because we need her to be quiet and not bother anybody else. But like for the most part, we'll watch maybe an episode of Daniel Tiger in the morning. 
Uh, maybe I'll have something on while I'm preparing her lunch just so she doesn't go crazy. But most of the time in the house, it's her and I. I've got music playing or we're reading books. And I was at the library the other day with her. And in the kids section of the library, there's all these like, you know, computer screens set up. And there are kids that can go in and like use these little kitty and they're old school desktop computers. Like it's not fancy schmancy technology. And Rose could care less about them. Like she beelines it over to the books. And this mom asked me, how did you get her to do that? I was like, we just showed her that we like to look at books too. Like we, we just gave her the example and she picked up on it because I think young people absorb what they see us doing. So if our young, if our kids see us praying and if our kids see us going to mass, if our kids see us reading books instead of scrolling through our phones, they're going to imitate that because up to about middle school, we're our children's heroes. And then they become a little desensitized to us, but they still long for our approval and our affection. Mm-hmm. So, so we have to be that, model. you know, and that can be so very hard when we've gotten to the end of our day and we just kind of want to do something that doesn't require thinking, but it does make such a profound difference when we will model those behaviors that we want to see active in our children. If we want our kids to pray, they need to see us pray. If we want them to read scripture, we need to, they need to see us read scripture. If we want them to be invested in spiritual reading, well, this is a great way to do it. Go and pick up Lent one day at a time for Catholic teens. Your preteen would enjoy it too. Available on Ave Maria Press. There's much more to come in this conversation right after this. Join us on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. We'll be right back with more of the conversation with Katie Prejean McGrady. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. Here we are still observing the Lenten fast. Uh, Of course, last week we had a couple of Lenten feasts where we had the solemnities, uh, St. Joseph and the Annunciation, right in the middle as this, uh, this reminder that as we fast, we do so in a way that looks toward the end, that we do so with joy. Uh, We're talking today with Katie Prejean McGrady. She's got a new book that she wrote with her husband, Tommy, uh, available on Ave Maria Press. It's called Lent, One Day at a Time for Catholic Teens. Uh, If you're not a teen, you should still get it. If you have someone who's not yet a teen, you should still get it. So I've got my 11-year-old reading through it, and he's doing just fine. Uh, And uh, you can do the same thing. We talked in the last segment how wonderful this is just in terms of fostering those conversations with your children and helping them get a deeper sense of the faith. And Katie, thanks again for joining us today. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. So in between the break, we were talking uh, about Lent as this uh, not merely an opportunity to see how much Catholic guilt we can manage, but but there's a purpose to it. So kind of unpack that for us. Yeah, well, I think so much of Lent has become for a lot of people like the chance to to sit in the sackcloth and ashes the whole season, as opposed to recognizing that. And I, I hesitate to say what I'm about to say because I don't want it to come off as self help, right? But but as a chance to truly grow and improve in our spiritual lives, um, so to we can kind of create markers for ourselves, and, and that's what we wanted to do with the book. We're getting deeper and deeper into the desert, so hopefully our soul is expanding and our relationship with Christ is growing. But if all we're doing is walking around bragging about what we gave up or complaining about what we gave up, then Lent is not 
being fruitful in the way that we're called to have it be. Well, and let's just, let's remember that the whole purpose of Lent was to welcome catechumens into the church. It was right. that final moment of journey yes, from, yeah. from where I was to the mercy of God that's going to be poured out on me. And so right, right. it's always meant to be a journey and not a uh, Ninevite sitting, waiting for doom right, in sackcloth right. and ashes. Yeah, we're not sitting Shiva because Jesus died, right? right? Like, like we're getting ready for the three most important days of our Catholic faith. And I remember as a kid, the first time we ever went to the Triduum services, and we went because on Palm Sunday, the priest, Father Tony Fontenot, who is still a priest in my diocese and a good holy man, he said in his homily, these are the three most important days of our Catholic year. And if you're not here, are you really that invested in your faith? And on Holy (laughs) Thursday, my mom marched into my sister and I's rooms and she said, we're invested in our faith. We're going. And so we had to go to those three days of never ending church services. And I just remember being captivated. And so, I mean, just completely swept up by the beauty of what we do on Holy Thursday and Good Friday and Holy Saturday and then Easter Sunday, right? Like nothing but immense joy. Lent is about getting excited for that and making sure our hearts are ready. And and the best way that we can get excited for that abundant worship is by experiencing a little bit of of that fast and experiencing the lack of and the simplicity of, I mean, there's a reason our churches maybe look a little barren during the season of Lent because we're supposed to be longing for and waiting for something great that's coming. Mm-hmm. And let's talk a little bit about this because parents very often, they look at these, um, these three days, the Triduum, which is, is really just one liturgy. Uh, and mm-hmm. they look at it, that never ending church service. And of course the Easter vigil goes on yeah. for like two and a half, three hours. If you've got a short yeah. one yeah. and they look at this and say, my children, could never do this. And I don't want to, not only do I not think that I could handle my children in such a long liturgy, I don't want to subject other people to my children right, right. in such a long liturgy. <laughs> That's the key part. Right. So yeah. let, let's, let's talk about this because your mother subjected you on everyone else, right? <laughs> yeah. As you went to <laughs> well, this I was liturgy. In middle school. Even, <laughs> even, even so, uh, I know yeah. pl- plenty of parents who look at their middle schoolers yeah. and go, Oh no, I'm that's my penance. Yep. That's not their penance. Yep. Talk yep. a little bit about how you received that. What 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 were the sights and sounds, and and how was that different than a Sunday mass that your parents drug you to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were good Catholic kids who went to mass on Sunday. I just there was something different, right? Like there was the smells and the bells looked differently. Now this was remember the '90s and early 2000s. So this was still back in the day when you walked into a dark church on Holy Saturday. And that was like, that was jarring. Like I'd never seen the church without its lights on that. It, the, the way my church is, is built here in Lake Charles. Um, it's very, I'm going to use the word modern and let people imagine. Um, it's very modern looking. And it's, it's a box. There, there is, it's, it's a box. It's a box with like, you know, an amphitheater style seating and the altar doesn't look like it's completely center. But I will say this as not churchy as it looks, it is my home. It is where I chose to get married because I love that church and that's where I was raised. And on Good Friday, it is, it's even more bare than it normally is, but there's a stand right up in the sanctuary for the gigantic cross Mm -hmm. and like seeing that. And then the priest and the altar servers would process in to a drum, like a single solitary bass drum beat. And I remember hearing that and just thinking like, why, like as a seventh grade kid, 
why are they hitting a drum? Why aren't we singing like a hymn, like a Good Friday hymn? Like, were you there when they crucified my Lord? And then thinking, oh, maybe it's to symbolize the hitting of the nails into his hand. And that's precisely what it symbolizes. And like, nobody told me that. Like, as a seventh grade kid, I was able to kind of, you know, seventh graders are smarter than we give them credit for, like, was able to kind of come to that conclusion. I think I was challenged. And I know now, now going to these liturgies every year and not wanting to miss them. Like my husband and I's hard, fast rule is we don't travel on Easter because we want to be at our parish for the Triduum services. Yeah. Like that's just, it's as simple as that. A family wants to see us, you've got to come where we are because those three days are so important is because it's an entrance into divine worship that truly does feel like heaven has totally hit earth full on. And for a kid, I would say as, as young as five or six, who you can reason with, right. so like we're not bringing Rose at 19 months old. That would be, it would be a failure for everyone, including, including us, but like a kid that, you could talk them through it and you could explain to them what's happening and sit close to the front and, and have, you know, talk to father and see like maybe if after the services, like he would have a conversation and like your kid could ask them any questions that they wanted. I think that's a real way to help them catch the faith and see this is what we've been building up to. This is why you couldn't have candy after dinner every night. This is why we, we watched maybe a little less television. This is why we didn't stop at Chick-fil-A every Thursday on the way home from school. Like, like we made fasts and we made, we made efforts to be more prayerful and we gave more out of our surplus because we were getting ready for this. Now I would say as a parent, we've, we have seven kids. The oldest is 11. The youngest is, uh, well, the youngest is in utero, not quite. Here, <laughs> right. Uh, we, we take them all. We put yeah, them all in a pew and, and you know, there are times where it is a cross and I have to take yeah. them out. And, um, mm -hmm. but there's something about, uh, just the otherworldliness of yeah, those absolutely. liturgies mm -hmm. that will captivate even the youngest because it is so, it more so than many of the traditional many of the the current liturgies and just mm -hmm. about anywhere you go mm -hmm. there there is so much visually and sensually with the the smells and the sights and the sounds that um that doesn't happen in normal masses and so yeah. there's a lot to keep their attention in that yeah and I'll, I more than to keep their attention, there's a lot to, uh, to arrest their imagination. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the story of the passion is profound, right? And we only hear it twice a year, Palm Sunday, which is my least favorite liturgy because you start outside and for kids, that's, you know, why do I want to go back inside? We yeah. started outside. So <laughs> that last year was a battle of wills with our nine month old. And now at 19 months old, we're not quite sure how that's going to go. Um, but uh, there's there's this this beautiful thing that happens on Good Friday, even in the absence of excess. There's there's this chance for our, our children, especially little ones, to really kind of vision and think about and imagine. Uh, one of the things we started doing with Rose recently, just because she's at that age where she wants to wander and she wants to walk and she wants to see, we sit very close to the front because rather than looking at people's butts, now she gets to see father up on the altar. And our church does bells at the consecration, yep. praise be to God. And I mean, it is fascinating to watch her go from doodling on her magna doodle to head up because now she knows that something's happening because there was this auditory cue. And I, I think that that's, that's a remarkable thing that we can expose our children to. And, and there is very much this, this reality that, and it's kind of counterintuitive of putting our children up front for them to see, because we're like, oh gosh, if I have to get up, uh, everyone's mm -hmm. going to look at me. Just lay that down 
uh, go ahead and, and walk all the way down that walk of shame because mm-hmm. it means that your children are in the midst of the liturgy and they're a part yeah. as baptized people, they are part of the church yeah. and, and have a right to that. But I think that a lot of times we, we think about, Oh, well, the bells and the, 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 all the, things going on and the sights and sounds that's really to keep the kids attention because mm-hmm. we've lost the ability to imagine. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that's huge in, uh, in Ignatian circles is mm-hmm. to engage our imagination and to allow ourselves, as Jesus said, unless you come to me as one of these little ones, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So to, mm-hmm. to take our time within the mass to allow our, own imaginations to wander into the passion narrative yeah for sure i mean there's every year everybody wants to sit down like i've been to good friday services before in other places and this is why i like to go to my home where automatically you're given a pass to sit down everybody not just those that would be in extreme need and like i love the fact that my feet start to hurt halfway through yeah i love the fact that i'm I'm annoyed by standing and like you have to kind of like shift your weight because who wants to stand because it's a distinct entrance into a pain that is a reminder of of the intense pain that he felt like that's there's genius and the reason we stand at the gospel and for the passion there's a reason that there's a, a rhythm to that particular mass where like you truly do feel the absence of the presence of the eucharist in the church and every year i'm just it's so jarring to see the tabernacle doors open and yeah. nothing's there because he's in the tomb and the tabernacle's not the tomb. So that's not where he is. And it's, I think we have to remind ourselves of all these visual things so that then we can close our eyes and we can picture and we can think about, and, and we can be present in the garden of Gethsemane. We yeah. can be sitting there at the foot of the cross. And it's so weird to come in and to not bow, to not genuflect. Yeah, to not genuflect. I love it. It's the one day a year where your church is really just, a gathering space. Mm-hmm. It it's it's and it becomes church once again when he's resurrected. Like it it is a tomb in a sense. And like you're walking into an empty space. Um it's beautiful. It's incredible. And like the fact that we would we would not want our kids to get to experience that because we're scared of being judged or because a father has fussed at us before or because we don't think that they can handle it. Maybe I will bring Rose this year. Maybe we, I mean, it's right in the middle of nap time. So maybe not, but maybe we'll go to the, there's a, there's a church here that has a later veneration of the cross service, just the veneration of the cross and just to be able to take her to that because yeah. she loves Jesus. I mean, and she knows Jesus, you point up at a cross and she goes, G, G, and she, yep. and she'll grab the metal around my neck because kids, they learn those things so quickly. And then all of a sudden they forget them, which is why we wrote our little book. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I think it's important to remember that we have to give our kids, they, they are so concrete right now. Mm-hmm. When you get them into the preteen and the teen, they start getting into the abstract, but we have mm-hmm. to give them concrete signs yeah. of God's presence. Uh, and so do that. Take your little kids, give them the concrete signs of God's presence. For yours that are starting to think more abstractly, pick up this book, Lent mm-hmm. One Day at a Time for Catholic Teens, available right now. It's not too late. Pick it up on Ave Maria Press. Listen to the podcast. Buy a couple of copies in preparation for next year. We've been talking today with Katie Prejean McGrady about this fantastic new book. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. While you're out there, go follow Katie at Katie Prejean on Twitter. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. We had a fantastic conversation today with Katie Prejean McGrady. She and her husband have written a new book on Ave Maria Press, a little short devotional, a little something to lead you and your children, your family, through the season of Lent. Uh, it's, a, gosh, I'm looking for the page numbers. There are no page numbers because it's just numbered by the day. Uh, this it takes you all the way through Holy Week, and it is called Lent, One Day at a Time for Catholic Teens. Uh, again, as we said earlier in the show, this would benefit you even if you were not a teen. Specifically, if you've got younger children, preteens or teenagers, this is something that you can go through together as a family and have that point of conversation, point of contact. <clears throat> again, each day only takes about three to five minutes to go through uh, and so I highly encourage you go take a look at it. You can get it on Ave Maria Press Lent one day at a time for Catholic teens. If you missed any part of the show or you want to share it with someone that you know, well, have no fear. All of our shows are archived right over at OutsideTheWalls.com. As always, there's more to the conversation. I continued this line of questioning with Katie Prejean McGrady. Uh, and a special extra segment available to all of those who support the show through Patreon. While you're there looking up the archives at OutsideTheWalls.com, go up to the right-hand corner of the top of the page and see that little link that says Support the Show Patreon. Click on that, and you can see all of the extra segments that we have made available over the, the last couple of years. To those who support the show, for as little as $5 a month, you too can get access to our weekly extra segments. I'd love for you to join that community, help support the show, keep us on the air, and get all kinds of great content. This week, we talked about such important questions as uh, really questioning She in her bio. She says she is an ice cream connoisseur. We had a very enlightening conversation about what that means. <laughs> so um, let's go ahead with that note and turn our attention to something even sweeter than ice cream. We're going to turn our attention now to our reading from Scripture and from church history. Our first reading comes from the book of Hosea. Come, let us return to the Lord. It is he who is rent, but he will heal us. He has struck us, but he will bind our wounds. He will revive us after two days. On the third day, he will raise us up to live in his presence. Let us know, let us strive to know the Lord. As certain as the dawn is his coming, and his judgment shines forth like the light of day. He will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain that waters the earth. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your piety is like a morning cloud, like the dew that early passes away. For this reason I smote them through the prophets. I slew them by the words of my mouth. For it is love that I desire not sacrifice, and knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. That reading comes from the book of Hosea and really should inform our Lenten fast. Of course, we look at this through the eyes of the New Testament where Christ has come and he has reconciled us to God the Father through his passion, through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And because of that, we can come to God with that love, right? We don't even in the Old Testament, you know, there's some people who say the Old Testament God is a different God than the, the New Testament God, and it's simply not the case. This is the God who has reached out to us and longed over and over to make a way for us to be in relationship 
Uh, and here, he's done it once and for all through Christ so that we can come and approach God, not with uh, sacrifice, not with uh, the, you know doing all of the right motions and finding the perfect thing to give up for Lent, but rather the thing that God desires is love and knowledge of God, not burnt offerings, but a connection, a communion, if you will. Uh, and, and so he's given us this grace. He's given us the Eucharist. He's given us the ability to be in relationship, in communion with him, and to do that uh, in, in a way that we connect our hearts to his, right? It's not merely the performance of the right ritual. It is the connection and the deep love for God that we express in that ritual, right? So two people, in fact, one of the other readings that we were looking at was the, the, um, the question of the, the prayer that God receives, whether it's the person who comes in and with his eyes downcast, who's done so much wrong and says, uh, have mercy on me, a sinner, or whether it's the person who comes in and says, I'm so glad that I'm not like this tax collector, but I, I do all of these wonderful things for the kingdom. Well, the, the, the person who came in humility, even though they both did the same ritual, they both came in to the temple, they both stood before God, and they both offered themselves in one way or another. But one of those was an acceptable sacrifice and the other one wasn't because one was connected in love and in the desire for mercy, and the other was just there to go through the motions. And so Lent is a challenging time for us, and it's one that really it's important for us to grab this, to grab this idea and this understanding that what God wants out of us this Lent is not that we give up the right thing, but that we give ourselves fully to him in relationship with him and grow in communion with him as we together approach the celebration of Easter. Our reading from church history today comes from a letter uh, by St. Theophilus of Antioch. If you say, show me your God, I will say to you, show me what kind of person you are, and I will show you my God. Show me then whether the eyes of your mind can see and the ears of your heart hear. It is like this. Those who can see with the eyes of their bodies are aware of what is happening in this life on earth. They get to know things that are different from each other. They distinguish light and darkness, black and white, ugliness and beauty, elegance and inelegance, proportion and lack of proportion, excess and defect. The same is true of the sounds we hear, high or low or pleasant. So it is with the ears of our heart and the eyes of our mind in their capacity to hear or see God. God is seen by those who have the capacity to see him provided that they keep the eyes of their mind open. All have eyes, but some have eyes that are shrouded in darkness, unable to see the light of the sun. Because the blind cannot see it, it does not follow that the sun does not shine. The blind must trace the cause back to themselves and to their eyes. In the same way, you have eyes in your mind that are shrouded in darkness because of your sins and evil deeds. A person's soul should be clean, like a mirror reflecting light. If there is rust in the mirror, his face cannot be seen in it. In the same way, no one who has sins within him can see God. But if you will, you can be healed. Hand yourself over to the doctor, 
and he will open the eyes of your mind and heart. Who is the doctor? It is God who heals and gives life through his word and wisdom. Through his word and wisdom, he created the universe. For by his word, the heavens were established, and by his spirit, all their array. His wisdom is supreme. God, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he arranged the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths broke forth and the clouds poured out the dew. If you understand this and live in purity and holiness and justice, you may see God. But before all, faith and the fear of God must take the first place in your heart, and then you will understand all this. When you have laid aside mortality and been clothed in immortality, then you will see God according to your merits. God raises up your flesh to immortality along with your soul, and then, once made immortal, you will see the immortal one if you believe in him now. That reading comes from a letter, a letter by St. Theophilus of Antioch. And this is the purpose, in some way, of our Lenten journey. It's uh, the time to check our eyesight, right? to check our hearing, to take away those things that are excessive, those things that are the rust to our soul, that blind us and deafen us to the face of God and to the voice of God. I have some friends who, um, growing up, they thought that Lent was about somehow making God love them more. If I just do the right thing, then God will come and speak to me. And, and it's quite the opposite, because God is always speaking to us, and he's always reaching out to us. Rather, Lent is that time that by these practices, we modify ourselves, right? We're not somehow... Uh, calling on God's favor, rather, we are cleaning our eyes and opening our ears and shaking away the things that would prevent us from seeing and hearing so that we can discern God's face, so that we can discern the voice of God that's always calling out to us. And so as you go through the rest of this Lent, we're about halfway through, uh, ask the Lord to show you what kinds of things he wants for you. Ask him to show you what, what is clouding up your mirror or clogging up your ears. And this practice, again, is not so that God will come closer to us, but it's so that we can discern God and move closer to him. Sometimes it's hard to know how to pray for yourself, so let's do this this week, all of us together. Let's pray for the others who are listening. Let's pray that God would give them the grace that they need this Lent, knowing full well that they are going to be praying the same thing for you. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I do hope that you'll pick up that book, Lent, One Day at a Time for Catholic Teens. Share it with those in your life. Available right now on Ave Maria Press. Today's show is brought to you by Drs. Michael and Julie Highland. Visit them at highlandpt.com, as well as all the others who support the show through Patreon. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.